hello, welcome to episode 98 of Sack Kings Therapy. Uh, just to get this out of the way, it's not going to be that much Kings talk, just because uh, not much has happened. I, I, do, I will have something to kind of end the episode on with the Kings, but it's not really anything. It's another kind of weird hypothetical that might not end up being anything, or will it be something? Uh, we'll get into that, but um, just wanted to quickly do an episode. Um, um, again, no fall. Um, he is on vacay. So, yeah, well, I want to just quickly talk about the playoffs, <laughs> um, you know, right before, and also, like, just an episode before the lottery happens, just, uh, I guess, a calm before the storm type of thing. But, uh, yeah, so I just watched the Hawks beat the 76ers in Game 7 in Philly. <laughs> And, uh, oh my god, everyone is coming out and just shitting on the 76ers. I mean, the story of the game, Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, man. So, I, so I'm, I'm looking at uh, Worldwide Wob right now, and he just tweeted out, Ben Simmons attempted three total fourth quarter shots in seven games. And right under it, apparently, only eight points in games five, six... Or, no, eight points in game five, six points in game six, and five points in game seven. And I'm going to quickly check the ESPN stats right now because I think Ben Simmons shot a horrible um, from the field today. So let's see. Wow, he only attempted four shots. Are you serious? Wow. In game seven? Jesus Christ. And somehow he was a plus one. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. The story of the game has to be Ben Simmons. Like, this dude just, I'm watching him. And, you know, part of it is the function of the offense. And, you know, you got to kind of look at Doc for that. But, like, the dude doesn't do anything on offense. He is, like, he does a dribble pitch every now and then. But, like, the dude never attacks the basket. And, like, you know, he can't shoot. He will apparently never shoot for whatever reason. Like, he's not going to, so basically on the, in the half court setting, it's basically four on five every possession. The only other the only other place he seems to be on offense is the dunker spot. And there are so many possessions that I noticed where like Joel Embiid goes to work in the post. And guess what? John Collins, who guarding Ben Simmons, is right there to greet him and just, you know, swallows up Embiid. And and Embiid, I think, had a pretty good game. Like eleven for twenty-one, you know, pretty good game. Seven for ten from the free throw line. You probably want up the more points there but man like mb did what he could and yeah man ben simmons this is just a bad year for ben simmons like don't get me wrong like i know why he's out there he's out there for defense he really did like guard trey young pretty well like throughout the series although trey young had a really good series but like you know, everything he does on defense is, you know, there's so much I can't even really get into. Like, you know, he he's probably their best perimeter defender. He's a really good interior defender. He's got good size, good feet. And, you know, he's a great helper on the weak side. He does a he he really, you know. He's a good like runner up to Rudy Gobert for the, you know, second defensive player of the year or second in voting for defensive player of the year. And honestly, I thought he should have won it. But the reality is. This dude does not do anything on offense, and it's just, man, talk about limited. And then you, you add that to the fact that this dude has been doing the same shit for how, what, he was driving in 2016. So it's like, it's been a good five years. 
of this garbage. Like, you have not improved at all somehow. Like, it's like a lot of people crap on Giannis for being a bad three point shooter and like how he shouldn't like take any threes. At least Giannis is trying. Like, at least he shoots threes. Ben Simmons straight up doesn't shoot threes. And it's like, what is this dude doing out there sometimes? Like, like at this point, he, he's gone, right? Like, I mean, everyone's kind of throwing a post-mortem for, you know, the Sixers. And everyone's kind of saying, like, Ben's got to be gone. Because you just can't win with him, ne- with him next to Embiid. Like, you need a space floor. And whenever Ben Simmons is in there, he ain't got space down there. So... Yeah, um, we'll keep an eye on how that how <laughs> that situation unfolds. I, you know, I'll, I'll get into it a little later. Maybe you know Ben Simmons to the Kings, even. Although, yeah, I'm not gonna give up much in that trade. And you know, at this point, his trade value's got to be at its lowest. But there's gonna be teams calling uh, for him for sure. But you know, all the credit in the world to the Hawks. Like, I don't know who like predicted that the Hawks would win this series. I if you if you said it if you said it I would have just said you were crazy and if you say it that you predicted from the beginning I would call you a liar because the Sixers have way more um talent you know theoretically like their top end talent is much better than anything that the that the uh, Hawks have but like this was a coming out party for Trey Young he was basically unstoppable pretty much every every single game even though in game 7 he didn't shoot well he he closed it out like well enough hit a huge three that essentially was the dagger um and like everyone else like contributed and also like just I think this kind of proves, like, especially with the way that the uh, league is heading, like, it's it's offense, like, offense rules the day. Like, you can talk about your cute little, like, first-ranked defense, second-ranked defense, fourth-ranked defense. I don't care anymore. You gotta be able to score, man. Like, the Warriors this year actually were, like, I think fifth or fourth in uh, defensive rating, but didn't even make the playoffs because their only mode of offense, I think they were 20th ranked or something, or maybe a little higher, but, like, it's, if you can't score, like, they're, like, there's no point in defense anymore. And with how, again, with how the, the league is, you know, kind of leaning way more towards offense nowadays with the rules, yeah, you got to be able to score. And the Hawks were just flamethrowers. Like, you know, adding bogey. Like, you have another kind of creator. And all of a sudden, like, Kevin Herter this game was really amazing. Like, he really bullied uh, Seth Curry on quite a few possessions. And, you know, Matisse Thybul, oh man, like, he had a he had a really, like, rough foul on Kevin Herter at the end, at the end of the game when they were only down, or when the Sixers were only down one. Like, he fouled... Um, Kevin Herter for a three, and that was basically it. And uh, just speaking of Matisse Thybul, like um, there was a play where Ben Simmons spun and kind of lost the ball, but gathered it and had an open dunk. And for whatever reason, just passes it to Matisse Thybul to get fouled, and he hits one of two. And that and that encapsulates the entire Ben Simmons problem in a way. Just a guy that just is so scared of scoring in a way. Like again. You know, again, he brings so much on defense, and so does Matisse. By the way, and Matisse is good. Matisse was fine. I thought like he is one of the best defenders I've I've seen in in a few years. Like, man. Um, but yeah, the Ben Simmons problem. Like, you know, you're you're like one of the anchors. Like, you're the one of the anchors along with Embiid with a top five defense, and unfortunately, you just can't score, and that. 
And yeah, the Atlanta Hawks could, and I think that's what that was what the series boiled down to. Like the, the Atlanta Hawks were just not afraid. They were punching way above their weight. They were playing like a team with nothing to lose. Because let's be honest, none of us expected them to be here. There were a lot of I'm pretty yeah, I think it was kind of even, but like, you know, not everyone penciled them in to beat the Knicks, and they handled the Knicks like it was nothing. And then to come into like the juggernaut that is the Sixers, like to just kind of be able to play a punch above your weight and just, you know, go go on these crazy scoring runs and play, honestly, just good enough defense on Embiid and, you know, Simmons, who's not a threat to score. Their second best scorer during the series was, you know, Seth Curry. And that just should not be the case. And also, another thing about the Sixers, like, there's another guy who earns, I, I've got to check his salary, but he's earning upwards of, like, $36 million this year. Like, and he's not doing jack shit either. Like he he gets a he gets some buckets every now and then, but like it's just not enough. And yeah, I'm talking about Tobias Harris. Homie homie signed a 180 million dollar contract. He's getting paid 34 million this year. And let's see, he scored 24 points, which is okay, but like eight for 24 from the field. You gotta ask for more from him. Like it's actually kind of funny that he gets to escape all blame because everyone just wants to hate on Ben Simmons. But like, man, Tobias Harris, what are you doing? <laughs> you got to be better. And like the moments of like, just like the Sixers not being able to really run like good. I guess like they didn't hunt the, you know, one of the worst defenders in the league and Trey Young. They they needed to hunt him. And it just never happened for whatever reason. And yeah, bang, man, like, yeah, all the credit in the world to the Hawks. They're on to the um, conference finals. Like, who expected them to make the conference final? Definitely wasn't me, especially how they started. And then they fired Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan just have, have them running on all cylinders. So, yeah, congratulations to the Hawks. I wasn't a biggest fan of their signings uh, in the offseason. Part of it was because, you know, they kind of stole uh, bogey from us. But, like, I just thought, like, they had just too much kind of third or fourth tier talent and you're just gonna have like trouble kind of balancing it out minutes and like players are just gonna like uh, players are just you know gonna hate or no they're gonna be like angry like about why they aren't playing like i thought that was what's gonna happen but i guess not like you know they figured it out and boom yeah they they're able to yeah punch again punch way above their weight and they really like just Talk about a shocking and deflating upset. Man, like 76ers, like what are you guys going to do? You guys got to trade Ben Simmons. That, that's a that's a given. We'll, we'll see. Um, uh, we'll see what they do in the uh, offseason. Anyways, okay, well, moving on to the other series. Bucks beat the Nets in a really, like, rough game seven. Like, it was back and forth, back and forth. And just when I thought, like, the game was over, like, in the Nets' favor, Man, like the Bucks just kind of, you know, close. Like they could, they played strong, and you know, guys just made shots, and yeah, they were able to kind of outlast Kevin Durant and, you know, a quarter of James Harden. Like, cause James Harden did some did some stuff, but like he was pretty much invisible down the stretch, just because like of the injury. And uh, yeah, oh, quickly to just um, go back to the Hawks and 76ers. Like, I don't think this is on. Doc, a lot of people are saying, like, man, a lot of uh, Doc teams have kind of fallen apart in the playoffs. I think this is more on the roster. Like, you know, 
Daryl Morey saw the weakness in the roster. Again, like Ben Simmons just does not fit with Joel Embiid. Like the with Ben Simmons constantly just hanging around the basket, like clogging up everything. It's just you can't have him next to Joel Embiid and like Daryl Morey saw this and tried to trade him for James Harden, but they but that failed. And uh yeah, now like we'll see what they do in the offseason. They got they they gotta get rid of Ben. Unless you somehow, for whatever reason, want to get rid of you know, Joel Embiid, which I highly doubt that you, they would do that. Joel is still, you know, a transcendent player, and he is a superstar you can build around. And uh, yeah, it's going to start with um, training Ben Simmons. But back to the Bucks and the Nets. KD played the entire game. He had a crazy turnaround uh, fadeaway that honestly should have been a three, but his his tiptoe was just on the line. And had and had that been a three, they would have won the game. And uh, but instead, they don't. You know, like KD kind of just gasses out towards the end. And Giannis, um, <clears throat> Chris Middleton, and uh, Drew Holiday like just came through and just finished and just were able to finish the game. Like all the credit in the world to the Bucks. Like it was ugly at, at times, and honestly, I have a little bit of concern of them going up against the Hawks. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll hold that off for now. We'll get to it in a, in a minute. But like, yeah, Bucks simply just yeah they they play their game, and Giannis kind of finally figured out what he does best. Like the, it's not the greatest shot in the world, but like he you know if he, instead of like taking a pull up three, he gets a little bit closer for a mid-range or goes right to the basket for a huge dunk or a layup. Like the Nets simply can't, you know, they simply don't have a guy that can really guard him and finally he decided to just go bully ball and just drive to the rim and just finish over guys and yeah, he had a great game. Like Drew had a really bad game, even though I a lot of people were saying he played bad. I didn't think he played that bad, but he hit a crucial three that kind of gave the Bucks a bit of cushion uh, in the fourth quarter. And you know he had and he had the final really good um, defensive possession on KD, who was just gassed, and that forced the you know the air ball to basically end the series. It was incredible, and yeah, all the credit in the world to the Bucks for being able to beat them. But it was not pretty, and but they were able to outlast the Nets, who were who were just like being held together by you know by like duct tape at, at the you know at the final horn. And I would have actually had concerns as well for the Nets going forward, just because like like I I tend to have kind of a theory that. Players only have so much to give a lot of the time. Like when they just blow up for like, you know, crazy performances like in one series, chances are in the next series they're just not gonna have enough to like finish it out. And like with James Harden, like, you know, barely being operation operational, like it's just I just don't think they were gonna be able to get it done. And like with Kyrie coming up on a bum angle, like what percentage was he gonna be at? Like I thought they might, they would have been able to, or like you know, had the 76ers particularly because I was not expecting the Hawks to win. Had the, had they played the 76ers, I think the 76ers could have just bullied them in a submission, because like they're a big physical team. They have the defenders to guard um, KD and you know Harden at like again 25 percent. And uh, yeah, I just think like they would have like just ran out of gas <laughs> like it by the next series. But uh, instead, you get a pretty fully healthy uh, Bucks team who I think still has enough left in the tank. Like, as I, I know I just said, like, oh, superstars only have so much to give. But I think Giannis can actually bring it 
um, against the Hawks because it's the kind of the same situation where they don't really have a guy to really guard Giannis or I me. Mean, they they can put Clint Capella on him, but like I, I don't know. I don't know if the Hawks defense can hold him. But then again, I said that about the 76ers. Like I the, theoretically, I would pick the Bucks just to bully these uh, Hawks. But like the Hawks have just the Hawks have shown some shown some balls. And like they're they're not one to back down. And like at this point, they're the they're the underdog going into every series. And like the fact that there are no expectations on them in a way, like they already like pa- surpassed their um, expectations tenfold. Like at this point, they're just playing with house money. Like they can go all in, and they can just bet all their chips and uh, you know on the table and just not be punished for it. Like you know, they're going to be playing with a certain type of uh, mentality, like, again, punching up. And the Bucks are going to be playing, are going to, you know, be the favorites, and they're going to have expectations. And it depends on if they're going to let those expectations, you know, um, you know, crush them, or are they going to actually be able to step up to the challenge and honestly handle these Hawks. This Hawks team is not as talented as they look. But, like, again, offense rules the day. And I want to see if the the Bucks are able to score on this Hawks team. They theoretically should be able to, and their defense should be able to, you know, hold the Hawks to a reasonable um, amount of points. But we'll see. I said that about the 76ers. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot of Giannis at the five, by the way. That's going to be fun because, uh, boy, um, Trey Young going up against Brooke Lopez. Oh, that's going to be a fucking nightmare. Um. Anyways, um, yeah, just one more thing about the Nets and the Bucks. Uh, like, man, that Joe Joe Harris played pretty terrible throughout the series, and the, I don't know why. But like, man, that final missed three in overtime, like that could have been, the, you know, the dagger that you know would have beaten the Bucks. But man, he had a rough series, and you know, like, you know, get, blame it all on injuries and all. But like at the same time, like, man. Joe Harris, what the hell, man? You you had to hit that final three, but he didn't, and the Bucks were able to advance. So yeah, again, congratulations to the Bucks, congratulations to the Hawks. Yeah, say, <laughs> I wonder who predicted the Bucks and the Hawks in the conference finals this year. This year has been you know, crazy, man. And uh, finals, well, not the final series, but another series. Clippers beat the Jazz. Like, I mean, there's only one real story. Well, two stories. Pandemic P, I guess, is no more because, you know, Paul George showed up for games five and six. Like, I think in game five, he had 39 points or something in the 30s. Like, he showed up and were able to, you know, beat the Jazz who just, you know, I guess just we're just running out of gas. Like, Donovan's on a bum ankle. Like, but Donovan is is a bad man. That is a, that is a nasty man right there. He is a superstar, but like they they just didn't have enough gas. Like again, when superstars, I feel only have so much to give a lot of the time, and he gave it his all, and just you know the the team just wasn't able to keep up with him. And you gotta you gotta talk you gotta talk about Rudy Gobert. Like you know, um, Draymond kind of summarized it perfectly. Like he's a great defender. He he himself anchors a top ten to top five defense all by himself. And as we kind of find out found out during the series, like. The Jazz perimeter defenders are not that good. Like they kept getting blown by, and you know Rudy, Rudy being Rudy will always protect the rim. But the Clippers went small with Terrence Mann essentially being the center, or Nick Batum being the center, and like Rudy's just not comfortable guarding out in space, and they just abused him over and over again. And unfortunately, like 
he's he's definitely the best defensive center in the league. But in in the same way that the that Trey Young abused Joel Embiid, like if you are a center and that is not comfortable defending a space, you're just never really gonna get it done in the playoffs. And um, yeah, and yeah, but Game Six. I mean, the main story of Game Six was Terrence Mann. Like he had thirty four points, I believe. I'm gonna take a sip of water. Uh, a lot of talking. Like he, he had thirty four points, and like I, I had, I got, I got some feelings watching him. Like it's just, inc- it's just fun to see, like you know, essentially a guy that didn't play much in the beginning of the series, and also like didn't play much in the beginning of the Lucas series or beginning of the Map series, but Ty Lue inserts him like later on in series for whatever reason, and this guy, like he, he's a ball of energy. He's out there and like just do his job and and just you know like make hustle plays and you know make score whenever he can you know guard Donovan Mitchell if he needs to and just force him into the help. Like this guy is a joy to watch and you know of course like I'm not saying that you know that this guy is like him in any way but like the watching him gave me feelings of like watching Justin James against the Grizzlies where you just have kind of this you know this no name role player who's more or less been on the bench for most of the season just come out and have a big game and you're just like you know I'm not saying like I'm not I'm not saying this in a condescending way but it's like that's my boy man I knew he had something in him and he delivered and uh, yeah, it was just, it was incredible watching Terrence Mann just drill those threes. And yeah, like, you know, um, the corpse of Patrick Beverly coming out of nowhere hitting threes. Like, yeah, the Clippers were running on all cylinders. And Mike Conley was a bit rusty. Like, he just came back. And like, man, I'm, hammies, man. Hamstrings are just tricky. Like, they, they already ruined essentially two players, like Mike Conley and James Harden. Like, I imagine like they he probably wouldn't have played if it wasn't an elimination game, and he looked fine for the most part, uh, albeit a bit rusty. But like Donovan needed more help, and unfortunately he just didn't. Like I think the stat was Donovan only missed six shots. Let me just go check really quickly. Uh, Bucks versus Nets. There it is. Okay, so yeah, he had thirty nine points on honestly on a crazy amount of ridiculous three. Yeah, so he he missed he missed six threes. Although he started jacking them like towards the end, and he had a couple of missed free throws. Like, and I mean, ankle ankle injuries they kind of fuck up your shooting a little bit because your balance and lift just isn't there. But like, he was just going at it, and yeah, again, all the credit in the world to Donovan Mitchell. Like Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell are two guys that I've really just kind of like uh, Trey Young on a bigger on a bigger scale, but like. These guys, like, my opinion has changed of these guys. These guys are bastards. These guys are killers. These dudes are just nasty and will just make shots in your face and just laugh at you. These guys are superstars. And, uh, yeah, um, all the credit in the world to the Clippers for taking care of business. And, yeah, without Kawhi, by the way, like, there's something about Paul George being the number one option. Like, I guess he's just not comfortable being the second option where he has to pick his spots a little bit more. But, like, I mean, I guess, you know, it's working, like, whatever they're doing right now. And, you know, in today's game against the uh, against the against the Suns, like, you know, he played pretty well. Like, again, Pandemic P is, you know, seems to be a distant memory for now. And, you know, 
he played well enough to be able to like the Clippers played well enough to be able to have a chance to win the game, but like crucial mistakes down the stretch only only managed to catch a few clips of it. But like they let they left Devin Booker wide open for a dunk at the end, like to go up by four when you know they had just had to play a little bit of defense and just make sure they don't score. But yeah, Devin Booker, another guy that's you know uh, another kind of nasty guy. He, I mean, he's had a I don't want to say he he's had easy series, but this guy like. He hasn't had games that like were, I guess, up for grabs. I guess Game Six of like the Lakers were, was up for grabs, but like you know LeBron was injured and everything. And, you know, credit to him for like taking advantage. But like, you know, he's had an easy Denver series, and like, but this guy is kind of in that same tier. Like where, yeah, like for a while, like he was known as the guy that just you know jacked a lot of shots and uh, in Phoenix, like on a bad team. But now that like they're a good team and he's still able to make get buckets and pick his spots and like to be able to lead a team to a victory the way he did without CP3, like this guy this guy's a this guy's a superstar. He's in that he's in that tier now. And uh we'll see what happens in game two. Like, you know, Clippers were close. We'll see if they can kind of replicate a little bit of that magic and be able to kind of steal game two on the road. Or, you know, honestly if they go down 2 0, like maybe they that's the motivation they need to you know, <laughs> to come back again because like there's just something about this Clippers team that just loves being down and then kind of playing playing with desperation. Uh, okay, well to round out the round out the podcast, um, I promised a little bit of Kings talk. Um, so Jason Jones was on D'Lo and KC. They even they even kind of made poke fun at the fact that uh, they're the um, Jason Jones and um, Kenny's podcast j Shree vibes they haven't had an episode in forever but the reality is there just hasn't been that many that much king's news <laughs> that i mean like at this point we're waiting for the lottery to happen and we want to see if we can like what pick we get like there just isn't much happening um and they're just right now i think like matt george is just playing he himself is like playing with the lottery and you know he has to find a way to kind of fill fill the time and uh yeah there just isn't much to talk about but like what what Jason Jones and um talked about on D'Lo and KC ESPN 1320 it was that you know Marvin is likely to stay in Sacramento unless he's packaged it as part of a big deal um you know Marvin is a guy that's still young I know a lot of people would like to kind of shit it's like you know three years or like you know kind of like be hard on him but like it has been three years and you know he he has shown flashes but just cannot stay healthy unfortunately like even in his first year like where he played most of the season he only played six, like 62 games i believe somewhere around there like he just has not been able to stay healthy and there's a lot and you know you, you got to get out of the way he's not luka and that's just that's just how it is like we could have had luka but we don't instead we have marvin and he just hasn't lived up to you know the billing and, you know, he has shown flashes uh, as, like, a very kind of talented player, but, like, the flashes just aren't enough. Like, he, the parts that he needs to show more development in, of course, is, like, the defensive end. I think there's a lot of, like, I think he'll get there uh, offensively, but, like, the defense is where he really needs to focus on. Like, being able to read the floor well, being able to, you know, d uh, decide when to help or not, like... You know, those are like the hard things that he's going to have to be able to learn because way too many 
times like this season like the other team just kind of abused him on offense or uh, yeah when he was on defense and kind of hunted him and like uh, if we lose Rashawn like you know this offseason like he's gonna have to play center and the center lineups with him last year just they, they were decent offensively but the uh, but the uh, or no they were yeah they were decent with him offensively but on defense they just got shredded just because he cannot be that backline helper he just the instincts aren't there yet and he's just not good enough defensively and yeah so honestly i'm willing to kind of keep him for another year and honestly see what kind of extension we can sign him to like he's not going to be well he probably will try to ask for a max but like Sir, are you serious? <laughs> like, like we nobody giving you the max. What, like, you know, take take this like forty fifty million dollar extension. And let's just call it a day. But I, you know, we'll we'll see what kind of extension we can kind of sign him to. And honestly, like, he's got, there's a lot of potential there. And you know, to just trade him away for the sake of trading him away, like that's a pretty bad idea. And if he blows up somewhere, like you know, it's gonna look bad on the Kings organization again. So, like, the likeliness of if he is traded, chances are it's probably going to be with, like, maybe, like, Harrison or, you know, with Buddy or, you know, someone else. Like, he's not going to be part of, like, he's not going to be a single trade for another player. Because, honestly, you probably can't get much of a player back. Like, you might be able to get, like, a quote-unquote 3 and D wing that doesn't do either. (laughs) Like, Like, say, for example, I don't know. Uh, what are the holiday? Justin Holiday, like, like, what are you gonna trade him for? Like a guy like Justin Holiday or something like that. That that's not a good trade. Like, Justin Holiday might be a better theoretically a three and D guy that I don't know does either. Like, you know, what Royce maybe like a Royce O'Neal, but even then, that's not exactly an even trade either. I don't like Royce would help, but like he wouldn't really be. He wouldn't be able to do enough for the Kings to be able to make the playoffs. So, like, that's my point. Like, you, you can trade Marvin for a, a guy, a wing or a guy, but he's not going to be that good of a player, I'm pretty sure. Like, he knew if you get a Kelly Oubre, like, maybe. Like, maybe you can talk me into, like, he, Kelly Oubre can help the Kings make the playoffs. But, like, even then, like, even that level of player, I don't know if it is enough to kind of, you know, talk me into trading for, you know, Marvin, you know, one for one. So that's kind of my my take on it. Like you, he's gonna have to be traded as a part of a package for a star of some sort, you know, quote unquote, like a Pascal Siakam type. Although the, that's looking more and more grim by the day. So uh, let's not expect anything from that. But you know, there's a guy that just had a, a very awful series, and he might he's going to be on the market. It's just it's just the question of what is going to be the price tag on him because other teams are going to want him and that's going to drive up the price of this player even though i've seen king's fans say he's based he's barely worth a second round pick at this point i'm like okay let's relax a little bit because i'm talking about ben simmons ben simmons is still a very good player and honestly the kings could use him like he could he could very much i think fix a lot of the king's defense just by himself but, you know, you will have to run into offensive questions. But honestly, him, if we play him at the five, that'd be interesting. But, like, at, you know, Benzema is just had a god-awful series against the Hawks. And, you know, Daryl Morey is probably, like, on the phone already, like, asking for trades and talking to somebody, talking to other teams. Yeah, um, 
my my thought is probably Buddy and Buddy and Marvin and maybe like a, a few seconds. I don't want to get into that, but like if we get end up getting like the ninth or tenth pick, you know, just include that in the package and just trade for Ben Simmons. I wouldn't be too mad about that. Like, you know, Ben Simmons is a very good player with you know very alarming, um, just alarming flaws to his game. Like the fact that he is just. The fact that he just hasn't shot any three straight up like is a concern. There's there's some sort of mental block with him, and you know if he is traded here, hopefully like the you know the change of scenery like you know changes the outlook on him as a basketball player, and he's finally willing to you know shoot and try and space the floor a little bit, add more to his offensive game. If not, like man, that's gonna be oh that's gonna be rough. But like. You know, as part of a package, like, you know, you could probably include Marvin, Buddy, and hopefully that's all it takes, and maybe a pick or two to get Ben Simmons. But, again, that would be an interesting thing to keep an eye on going forward. And, uh, again, I think he would help the Kings a lot on defense because he is a... He is a defensive anchor all all by all by himself. And I think he would he would be able to fit in pretty well. Like we have some defensive talent on this team. I think there just needs to be kind of that glue guy that kind of puts it all together, that com- that you know, that communicator that is able to, you know, able to kind of put kind of like bring everyone together and be the connective tissue that runs the team on that end. And then hopefully he's good. He's just good enough on the offensive end because there could be like some spacing issues with him and Fox where one is a, one is not a great shooter and teams will help off of. And one guy who straight up doesn't shoot. So it's a, it's a weird fit, but like you can't turn down talent the way you can't, you know, like the Kings just need more talent and Ben Simmons will definitely be an upgrade in talent. Okay, well, that's all I have. Um, a little short little update. Um, hope the next episode will be coming after the lottery. Maybe we'll do it the night of the lottery, or maybe we'll up, we'll like do an episode like after. Fong will probably be back by then. I can't say that for sure. He probably will be back, but you know, if you don't like listening to me, sorry, you're gonna have to deal with me in case he isn't here. But. Like, yeah, well, hopefully the Kings have some lottery luck and hopefully we can, you know, sneak into that top four. And hey, if we sneak into the top four, you might not have to, you might not have to trade for Ben Simmons because, you know, <laughs> I'm not trading that pick for Ben Simmons if, that, if that's the case, if it lands in the top four. And uh, yeah, I just sim the, I just sim the uh, Tankathon and uh, I was able to get the number one pick on the second try, although I did do it uh Four more times, and I, I we I was in the ninth and tenth picks, like just kind of um, rotating around, basically one for four. So, you know, you know, cross your fingers, hope for the best, pray for the Sacramento Kings to hopefully that they will be able to get in that top, in that top four, and hell, maybe you know, with you know a speck of light, you know, it would fix so much would be to get the number one pick and get Kay Cunningham. And by the way, we get the first pick. I'm not trading that for shit for anyone. I'm not trading that for anyone. Like, I heard Carmichael Dave, would you trade the number one pick for Ben Simmons? No. Would you trade it for Luka Doncic? Maybe. You can talk me into that, but Doncic, Doncic ain't going to be on the ain't gonna be on the market. So that's really the only guy I would even think of. Like, I wouldn't even do it for LeBron at this point just because, he, you know, he's a little older. Just, you know, and I know it's crazy talk, but like, you know, if you get that number one pick, 
I'm keeping that pick. I ain't trading that for anybody. So, yeah, let, let, let's stop that crazy talk. Okay, well, thank you for uh, listening to this pod, to this podcast episode. Uh, yeah, hope, hope for some lottery luck for the Kings.